welcome to the Seeds Church Podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe to us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and on our Apple and Spotify podcasts. We hope you enjoy this inspiring message from our Sunday service. Thanks, Rod, and uh, hello, everyone. It's great to be able to worship together today, whether you're physically in these, com- these walls here or whether you're watching us online. Um, we're all part of uh, the family of God, and it's a great privilege to be able to gather together. You, I know it may be a bit of a surprise, but um, today we are actually in between series at Seeds Church. And uh, so our senior pastor, Jonathan Davies, has said to me, Mark, well, you've got not totally a free reign, but you've got, you know, a bit of room. So um, that's a risky thing, really, in some ways, but um, I want to share today from um, 1 Peter about the whole subject of Jesus being the cornerstone and we being built up into a house. So uh, that reading was read to us earlier, and I'll be referring to that shortly. But before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable in your sight, that your Holy Spirit would continue to speak to us and lead us into all truth and understanding. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to uh, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. And if you've got access to a Bible today, you might like to do that, or some of the scriptures will be coming up on the screen behind me. But I want to pick up 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6. For in scripture, it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, I need to uh, make a declaration at the start today, and that is that uh, anything to do with structures and buildings and, dare I say it, concrete or anything like that, I have a great affinity for because I'm a professional engineer by training. I'm a civil engineer by, by uh, particular training. And so I get a little bit excited um, about quite a few things, but I get, <laughs> I get particularly excited about structures. And uh, I want to spend a little bit of time today talking about this great subject of the cornerstone. Now, I can tell that for some people already that some eyes are glazing over and a little bit of a concern to me, but I want to say, folks, that the cornerstone is rather important. So in biblical times... A lot of the structures were made of, of, of stone, a bit rough, and they were roughly cubic in shape. And uh, the way the structure had um, stability was when these stone walls were being built, there needed to be an intersection between the walls so that you'd have stability and alignment. And that rock or stone that was going in the structure between the walls is called the cornerstone. John Preston's nodding his head. This is good. So I want to just talk a bit about the importance of that. And it's interesting that elsewhere in the Bible, there's reference to a capstone. Now, that gets really interesting because um, 
If you ever see a stone arch bridge, and, and uh, the way they are built is that the, the, the builders start from either end with these stones, and they, and they build a temporary structure, sometimes called false work or form work, and they, they lay the stones. And as they lay the stone, they get to the point where at the top there is a, a wedge-shaped space left. Now, if you were to remove the temporary supporting structure at that time, everything would collapse. But when that capstone, that wedge-shaped rock is put into place, it holds a whole structure together and you can remove the supporting stuff and it stands up and it's incredibly strong. And it's what we engineers, it's called having structural integrity. There's a takeaway for you today. Structural integrity. And in the Bible, it taps into this great truth about structural integrity. I can see that some people aren't quite getting the excitement and the passion about this. I mean, some people are interested in lawns and other sort of stuff, but I'm interested in structures. And so I want to talk about some characteristics of of the cornerstone or the capstone. Verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter one, of 1 Peter 2 says this, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you're being built up. So the first characteristic of the capstone or the, or the cornerstone is that, that it's a living stone. Rather than just being something that, that, that's dead and lifeless, but the, the cornerstone is a living stone, and not just living because it's referring to a person, but living because the cornerstone is actually Jesus Christ who has been raised from the dead. He has been resurrected. So the cornerstone is a living stone because Christ is not dead, but he's been raised by the Spirit. On the third day, God raised him from the dead and he's living and he's reigning and he is the cornerstone, the living stone. Amen? Can you get a little bit excited about that, folks? Because Jesus is the living stone. We don't worship a dead God. We don't just worship a procedure or a protocol or a way of living, but we actually worship the living God. He is the living stone. He has been raised from the dead. Raised from the dead. So the first point... Because <laughs> I get a couple of breaths, is that that Jesus is the living stone. You know, I've shared before that I have this absolute conviction that I need to be talking more about the resurrection. A couple of years ago, I've shared here before. I was I was at John Oranista camp on uh, down at Tharuna on Air Peninsula, and I was taking an Easter Sunday service. And as the sun came up over the sea, I just sensed the Spirit of God speaking to my heart that we and I need to be talking more about the resurrection. So every opportunity I get, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about the resurrection. So, the, so this cornerstone is a living stone. Now, there's a parallel passage to 1 Peter found in Ephesians chapter 2. I just want to read a few verses here. When Paul says to the church at Ephesus, and I know people would be a little bit disappointed if I didn't quote from the book of Ephesians. You know, I can see that there would be some devastation because it is dear to my heart. And for those who haven't um, availed themselves of it, there's a series on our church website about the book of Ephesians, which I would 
commend to you. But in Ephesians chapter 2, it says here in verse 19, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. The, the phrase that jumps out to me in Ephesians chapter 2 is verse 20, which talks about the fact that the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So not only is Jesus the living stone, he is also the chief, the chief cornerstone. You know, everything in Christianity comes back to Christ. In fact, the Bible says unless the Lord builds a house, everyone labours in vain. And we are, we are being built up into the spiritual house with Jesus, the living stone, as the chief cornerstone. And everything, everything revolves around Christ. And so if you're listening today and you may think we're watching this service and you think, well, gee, all these songs, they always seem to talk about Jesus and the Saviour and, and his forgiveness. Well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> there's a reason for that because Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And we, if we depart from that, we depart at our peril because everything is based around Jesus and what he's done for us and what he's doing for us by his spirit. Jesus is the chief cornerstone and he provides the structural integrity of the church. It's not based upon people. It's not based upon our behaviours. It's based upon Jesus as the chief cornerstone. And God's building the spiritual house with Christ as the chief cornerstone. I wonder how many people here today have um, ever watched that TV series called Grand Designs. Can I just have a perhaps a show of hands? Yeah, so a lot of people. And uh, it, it, it's all, I love the show personally. And um, as Joy knows, and um, <laughs> I still like the Grand... I like... I don't quite... There's one in Australia, but I prefer the one with, um, what's the bloke's name? Yes, yes. Kevin. Sorry, I didn't quite pick the, um, the brogue. So Kevin McLeod. Sorry, Sarah. Kevin McLeod. I love Kevin McLeod. And uh, even though he's an architect, not an engineer, but he's still a pretty good bloke. And, um, <laughs> and they always have these projects which... I don't know if you've ever watched the show, but you know, people have these ambitious projects and they launch into them and invariably there's dramas, but that makes a good television. There's dramas and there's cost overruns and, and sometimes in rare occasions the projects never even get completed. And, uh, and so but it's, it's, it's very interesting to see the dynamic as it plays out. Well, a couple of years ago, Joy and I had the opportunity when there was a thing called overseas travel. I don't know if you've heard about that, but... Um, <laughs> We were able to go to Europe and we, we went at one stage to Cologne because we've got some friends who live there. And one of the great structures in Cologne is the cathedral. And uh, our friends were very generous and they arranged for an English-speaking guide just to be with Joy and I to take us through this cathedral. And uh, it was fascinating. 
But I've got to tell you folks that a lot of these cathedrals, they had their challenges in the building of them. And in the case of Cologne Cathedral, there was a pause in the construction for 300 years. For 300 years, work stopped. Now, I know people have been involved in building, a lot of people have been involved in building projects, but can I say, if you had a, a pause, <laughs> people get excited if there's a pause for a few days. Where's the builder? You know, we can't find the builder. But, oh, 300 years. And the reason was that there was a thing, I asked the guy, why is it that the cathedral work stopped for 300 years? And he said, well, there was this thing called the Reformation that took place. And a pesky person called Martin Luther, um, used by the, guided by the Holy Spirit, um, as a result of Martin Luther's intervention, the income stream, if you can understand the Reformation, the income stream stopped, basically. And so nothing happened for 300 years. But finally, work did recommence. And it turns out that it was, from the day the cornerstone was laid, it was 632 years before the project was finally completed. That's a long, that would be a great episode of Grand Designs, I think. <laughs> 632 years. Now, can I tell you folks that we're caught up, and it's a great thing, we are caught up in a grand design. <laughs> a grand design. Jesus is the chief cornerstone, and he calls us to be involved in this spiritual house that he's building. And it's, it's, it's been going for 2,000 years since the death and the resurrection of Christ and when the Holy Spirit was poured upon the church. And we're caught up in the grand design. And it's an exciting thing. It's full of drama. It's full of challenge. But Jesus is the chief cornerstone, the living stone. And so it's exciting times, but there's also a warning. There's a warning here. The warning is found in verse 7. It says, now to you who believe, this stone is precious, talking about the cornerstone. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And verse 8 says, and a stone that causes people to stumble and the rock that makes them fall. See, the, see the, the incredible thing was that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, the precious cornerstone. And folks, can I say, for all those who are listening here and watching me and watching online, there's a warning here not to reject the cornerstone, not to reject the living stone, not to reject the chief cornerstone who is Jesus Christ. We reject his message at our peril because we are designed and we are formed and we are created and God's intention was for us to be part of the spiritual house that he's building with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. That's what we're meant to be. That's what we're designed for. That's part of the grand design. But we, are, it's, it, we, we reject this message at his peril. And if you're someone who's been listening to lots of messages about Christianity, and maybe you're sitting on the fence, and maybe you, you haven't made that decision in your heart to give your life to Christ because you want to have a bet both ways, you'd rather sort of be slightly in charge of your own life rather than give your life to Christ. Can I say, folks, with all my heart, with all my earnestness, do not reject the message of the gospel. Do not reject it, but accept it because that's who we're meant to be. That's how we're designed to be, to be a living stone being built up into a spiritual house with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Don't reject the message. Don't reject the cornerstone. Because we're called to be part of this, um, 
the spiritual household. You know, it's interesting that this, this reading it comes out of 1 Peter, and the apostle Peter, when he was called Simon, had a significant encounter with Jesus. You may remember Jesus one stage said to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And people were giving various suggestions, and some, you know, some say you know, that you're Elijah and others. And, and Jesus turned and, and said to Simon, Simon, who do you say that I am? And Simon had a revelation by the Spirit. Because Simon was one of those blokes who, you may, if you know the story about Peter or Simon, tended to sort of lead with his chin slightly, you know, speak first and think later, act rather impetuously. But he had this revelation by the Spirit. And he said, you are the Christ. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus responded and said, blessed are you, Simon, you should be called Peter. And upon this rock, or I could say stone, Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So Simon's name was changed to Peter, which means rock. And and what the church was built on was not not so much the individual, but no, it was built on the the revelation that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And so here's Peter, who was called by God from being a fisherman called Simon to become Peter the Apostle, and he's writing to the church here, and he's writing to us through the Spirit, and he's calling us to be a living, a living part of the living household that God's building, the spiritual house. And so it would have resonated with Peter, this whole thing about being a living stone. And that's who we're called to be. So... I want to just tease out a little bit what it means for you and I to be these living stones in the spiritual house that God is building with Jesus as the the chief cornerstone. So come with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. When Peter says, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now you note that the words here are, we are being built into a spiritual house. In other words, it's work in progress. In other words, God is not finished with us yet. Amen? God is still working on us. He's still refining us and reshaping us. And I've got to tell you, folks, that if you can, if you can understand this illustration, that the, the living stones that we, you and I reach of, we're not all the same shape. Now, it's not like, if you look at, the, and for those who are watching online, I'm pointing to the brick wall over there by Mr. David Gardner. There he is, doing a great job. That, uh, and so is Brad, by the way, trying to keep up with me. So they do, Bit of a clap of hands for the cameraman today. Come, well played. So it's not like those bricks over there, which are nice regular shapes with nice ninety-degree corners and all the same angles, and it just nicely fit together. Can I say, folks, that God is working with with living stones? That, and I know this will be a little bit of a shock, and I hope you don't find it too confrontational today. But some of these living stones have got some rough edges. I know it's hard to believe. 
How could that possibly be the case that you and I could have some rough edges? But I think it's fair to say that we have. Amen? Yeah, amen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Danny. So look, God's in the business of refining us. And as we interact with each other, as God is building us up into the spiritual household, there's a few rough edges that get ground off. I heard someone say, you know, once he's, he, he has a, a sandpaper ministry with, a, with another person. In other words, they, they tend to sort of perhaps irritate each other slightly. But there's a purpose in all that, and God uses that to actually take off the rough edges. And I, I think it's fair to say that some of us need a few rough edges ground off. Hugo's nodding his head. I mean, I don't want to pick on him, but, you know, <coughs> I don't think he's alone in having a few rough edges. I don't think he's alone in that. And, you know, when that happens, and this is interesting, you know, if, you, if you ever join a small group, and I'm a great advocate for small groups, um, but if you ever join a small group, there's this sense of excitement and anticipation when you first get together, you know, and, uh, you know, you're meeting new people, and it's, it's a great thing. But after a while, the honeymoon period can go. And those people, you start to get to know them, you know. Not just saying hello on a Sunday morning, but you actually start to know them. And what's more, they start to know you. No. And, and dare I say, it, a few rough edges may, may be apparent. And uh, sometimes, you know, people get a little bit offended and, and, and don't necessarily agree with what everyone else says. And, uh, and uh, you know, there's a bit of a sandpaper ministry going on. Do you understand what I'm saying, folks? And, you know, you can go two ways when that happens. You can say, oh, this is all too hard. Those, they don't understand me. <laughs> and I'm going to go to another group or I'm going to go to another church because, you know, those people, I'm offended, you know. The same things have been said to me which aren't right. You know? And we can go like that and we can back off. Or in love and under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we can continue to interact with people and allow God to refine us and to shape us and to build us into the spiritual household with Jesus as the chief cornerstone. Can you hear what I'm saying, folks? So I want to encourage you. I don't see a lot of stuff in the Scriptures about being solitary Christians. Sometimes people are forced into that by circumstances, but generally a lot of us aren't in in that category. And we are actually called to be built up into a spiritual household as living stones interacting with other living stones, allowing this refining work, this sanctification work to go on in our lives as God shapes us. So we are being built. We are being built. And, and it's like we're under construction. We're under construction. And we're going to continue to be refined and reshaped until we go to see, be with Christ. So it's a great thing to know that God is not finished with us yet. But he's working out his purposes as we interact as spiritual, in this, as spiritual stones in this household. So that's my first point, is that we are called to be living stones and that we are being built up. But then it says that we are called to offer spiritual sacrifices, which are acceptable to Jesus. Now, I wonder what you've ever thought about, what does it mean to offer spiritual sacrifices? See, for those who know the Old Testament, you know, there's a very regulated and defined sacrificial system. And, and I've got to say, if you read it carefully, look, honestly, outside that temple, it was like an abattoir. 
I mean, honestly, you know, it was a pretty gruesome thing. There was animals being sacrificed and blood gushing out. It wasn't a very pleasant thing to watch, really. And, and, and we've got this old sort of sacrificial system here, but the Bible here talks about being built up into, as living stones, offering spiritual sacrifices to God. Well, I want to just focus in on, on one spiritual sacrifice that you and I are called to offer up as we're part of this living household. Come with me to the book of, of, of Romans, chapter 12. And in the book of Romans, there's a, um, a challenging scripture, like many ch- scriptures are challenging. And in Romans 12, 1, it says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. So if you really want to get to the nub of it, one of the fundamental sacrifices that God wants us to offer in terms of spiritual sacrifices is actually to offer up ourselves. Offer up ourselves. Do you know, we, are, we can be very good at doing demarcations in our lives and, and, and we can sort of sometimes rationalise things to say, oh, well, look, you know, Monday to Friday and maybe a little bit of Saturday, there's one aspect of my life and I'm out there, you know, working and I'm, you know, doing stuff and, and, and earning money and, and raising kids and, and all sorts of stuff. And then on Sunday, maybe I might take into a home group during the week, but on Sunday... And that's, that's, you know, my secular life is there. Then on Sunday, this is my spiritual life. Well, folks, can I tell you, I don't see that dichotomy at all. I don't believe in the difference between the secular and the spiritual. I don't see that in the Bible. The Bible calls us out of darkness into light. God calls us to offer ourselves, our whole bodies, our whole lives as a living sacrifice to him. Not just part of our lives, not just the weekend part of our life, but all of our lives, all of our hopes, all of our ambitions, all of our dreams, if you like, all of our relationships, all of our finances, everything we are are called to offer to God as a spiritual sacrifice. And if you think that seems a bit tough, well, I've got to tell you, folks, it's challenging. However, the Scripture says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, we can always approach Christianity from the point of view of works, which means we've got to work hard and we've got to do stuff to please God, or we approach it through grace and mercy, which is therefore we offer ourselves to God in response to God's mercy. Because God has not treated us with judgment, He's treated us with mercy. God has not treated us with death and destruction, but he's given us life and peace. Do you see what I'm saying, folks? We are called to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice in response to God's mercy. God has reached out to us in Jesus by his Holy Spirit as the chief cornerstone. He's called us to be a spiritual household, interacting with other people, and it involves our whole lives. All, of, all that we have should belong to Christ because we do it in response to God's mercy. Not to please God in some way, but no, because God has reached out to us in Jesus. And the whole Christian life is about responding to what God has done for us in Jesus. It always comes back to that. It always comes back to Jesus as the chief cornerstone who has called us to be part of his household that he's building, filled with his spirit, 
responding what he wants to do in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we have sung and listened and spoken today, I pray, Lord, that we will be responsive to your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, for those of us who maybe are sitting on the fence, who aren't convinced that, that we should relinquish control of our lives and offer our whole selves as a living sacrifice to you. I pray, Lord, that you might break into our lives by your Spirit. And Lord, for those of us who have become a bit jaded, maybe a bit hurt by what other people may have done to us or said to us, Lord, may we see that you are building us up. You're building us up as spiritual stones in this household. May we embrace the changes that you want to bring about in our lives. May we be people who see the vision of what you want to do, that we can be part of this grand design. Dear Father, speak to our hearts now by your Holy Spirit, I ask, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, thanks for listening to the Seeds Church podcast. We hope you join in with us next week. For more information, you can visit our website at seedschurch.org.